or rode your motorcycle. Yes, that's pretty impressive on February 7th. Well, satisfaction, it comes from a lot of different ways. Satisfaction comes from a lot of different ways. For all time, people have fallen and, and, and have felt like they haven't been able to be satisfied. We, we go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and, and they had everything that one could possibly want. At least that's what it appeared. And yet they weren't satisfied. Judas Iscariot, he, he got to spend time with the Savior of the world. And yet he wasn't satisfied. He sold that love, that time, for 30 pieces of silver. Elvis Presley, go from Judas to Elvis. Elvis Presley, he had uh, all the fame in the world. He pretty much could do what he wanted to do. He was the king of rock and roll. And yet there wasn't satisfaction. Families over and over, even in my own extended family, I have seen it. Where grandpa dies, and now there's a family feud over the money because they're not satisfied with what they've already been given. People work for 16 hours to get the toys that they're trying to get. Then they have to work 16 hours to upkeep those toys. We never get satisfied. Kids train for hours every single day. And they're training for one possible event in the Olympics. And then they get to the Olympics and they win that gold medal. And how often have you heard the story, I still felt empty. They couldn't believe they were holding a gold medal and they still weren't satisfied. All of these examples are, are, are people who can't find satisfaction. They can't find satisfaction. Today, Today's the 50th Super Bowl. And I don't think the Bears are playing today, but I'm still rooting for them. But today, the Broncos are playing in the Super Bowl, and they have an unbelievable quarterback, Peyton Manning. Well, two weeks ago, he took on maybe, I mean, there's, there's arguments between who's more unbelievable. Who did he take on a couple weeks ago? Tom Brady. Tom Brady, he is dynamite in, in, in what he has accomplished. Uh, I think he has three MVPs in the Super Bowls. He's been to, I, uh, I think it's six Super Bowls so far. The guy has done just about every stat that you can think about he owns. And yet, I'm not so sure that he has satisfaction. Let's watch this quick little video. Brady has already become a bigger star than Carl Yastrzemski, Larry Bird, or Bill Russell. You go out with Tom, and you just kind of feel sorry for him in a way, kind of, because he's just getting bugged all the time. You know, we, we float through there. They just see a big, overweight white guy. <laughs> That's pretty normal out here, <laughs> you know. But you know, there's Tom Brady. I mean, everybody wants to everybody wants to be around Tom. Can you go out to restaurants? If I have the energy to deal with 
you know, putting a happy face on. Sometimes I don't feel like that. Now, you seem a bit the reluctant star. Well, the problem is it's you can't have one without the other. You can't have the football fame and not the other stuff. So in a lot of ways, I've created this myself. <laughs> Just what you always wanted. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. There is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. It's less money than Peyton Manning and even some journeyman quarterbacks are making, but Brady wanted to leave some money on the table for the Patriots to hire free agents to help them win another Super Bowl. I used to get $600 dorm checks and, and go eat Subway and use pizza cards to get my way through college, and eat baked potatoes and make pancakes every night. So I don't think that's ever been a big thing for me. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. He's turned down multi-million dollar endorsement deals because he didn't think they were right for him. And many of the ones he's taken, he's shared with his teammates. Uh, you guys have to go everywhere with me. <laughs> <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings? and and still think there's something greater out there for me i mean maybe a lot of people would say hey man this is what it is i reached my goal my dream my life is me i thank god it's got to be more than this what's the answer i wish i knew i wish i knew i love playing football and i love being the quarterback for this team and but at the same time i think there's a lot of other parts about me that i'm trying to find Well, today, today we're going to learn how you and I can be satisfied and the satisfaction that's absolutely guaranteed from the King of Kings. Satisfaction that it doesn't matter if we win a Super Bowl or we lose one or we're never in one. It's based on what someone has done for us. So if you're able to and if you're willing, would you stand as I read today's scripture? It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 6 through 13. But now that Timothy, starting with verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see your face, see you face to face, and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in the holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Heavenly Father, Lord, bless our time. May my words be your words, and may you be blessed. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, those of us who are serving Jesus Christ, 
Those of us who have submitted our lives to him and, and have given, it, given our lives to him uh, and, and understood what he has done for us, I guarantee, I want to ensure you that you can be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. No matter whatever our circumstance, God, he'll never let us down. We're promised that. Especially, especially when we rejoice. When we rejoice in the good news of others. When we, when we are focused on that, we can gain satisfaction because of our love for Jesus Christ. This is what Paul was doing. He says in verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly as long as, and long to see us as we long to see you. So Timothy, he, he went on this journey. And, and he went to Thessalonica. Remember, Paul sent him on the journey. I've told you the history behind this several times. And so he has now returned. Maybe it's been a month, maybe longer. And Paul's excited about the news that Timothy brought back to him. And he's, he, Paul's probably asking him all the questions that uh, you could expect. Okay, tell me, tell me what they're doing. Tell me how they're organized. Tell me, what, who, are they preaching to people? Are they telling people about Jesus? Uh, what, what's going on with their faith? Are they growing? Or is there maturity happening? Paul, I mean, he wants to know all the details. And when he hears all the things that Timothy wanted to share, man, that's good news. That's good news. Uh, and we, we see that Paul, that he was just concerned about what was happening with the Thessalonians' lives. What, was he concerned about have they found a building to rent yet? Are, are they able to, uh, have they tweaked their worship team? Because, man, they did not sound good when I was there. Uh, how, how's their outreach program going? Were they able to fund that yet? Did they get some financial backers? That's none of, none of the questions that he's concerned about. Look in verse 5. Verse 5 says, Paul, this is what Paul said, For this reason... When I could bear it no longer, and then what does he say? I sent to learn about your faith. Faith. Paul's concerned about the Thessalonians' faith. And that's what I want to know about, too. That's, that's what I'm looking for. I text many of you. I give several of you phone calls. Facebook messages, visit with you at church, I see you in the hallway, I go to lunch with some of you, I spend time with you at, at, at small group. Am I interested in, in knowing how your work is going and how your kids are doing? You betcha. Do I, do I want to know about that financial situation going on, or your upcoming plans, there's no doubt. But what's my ultimate concern? It's about your faith. It, it, it's, 
It's totally about your faith. Remember I, I told you the story about me not asking, not talking to the dry cleaner group and how I was humbled by that? For some weird reason, we as Americans, we don't like to talk about our faith openly. We don't like to challenge one another. Hey, how's your walk with the Lord going? How are you doing? And encouraging one another. We want that, to, that, that's our goal here at this church, is that we want to encourage one another and, and we want to rejoice when we hear the good news. When we hear the good news, because the actual word that Paul's using here is gospel. The actual word he uses here when he says good news, it's the same word used for gospel in other places in the New Testament. Because he's focused on their faith. He's focused on their faith. And he wants to make sure that it's reiterated. We can rejoice because others care about us. Because others care about us. That's, that's one way we can rejoice. Paul says in the verse that I just read, verse 6 and then verse 7, that Timothy brought him good news and of the faith and love and reported all the things that were happening. He says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through faith. You know, there's something special when others, when others care about you. Sometimes we don't like to admit that. I, I've, I've personally been like, well, I don't care what they think. I don't care what those guys are saying over there about me. I'm stronger than that. But we do. We care. We care deep down inside what people are saying about us. If we say something to somebody kind of sassy, a lot of times, a few minutes later, you start thinking, I wonder what they think about me. I wonder if they think that I'm, I'm just not a good person. I'm not a nice person. I've done that definitely as a kid to my parents. I've done stuff and I'm like, why did I do that? I did that in college about 753,000 times. <laughs> we, we really do care about what people think about us. And, and for some reason, we like to try to act big about it. But Paul, man, he was excited. He was excited when he heard that the Thessalonians cared about him. It caused him to have joy, to totally rejoice, because he knew that the Thessalonians, they loved him. There was a mutual friendship that, that, that he felt. It was, um, it was just, so it's like, if you look at your text, some of you don't text maybe, but a lot of you probably do. If you look at your text history and you see that you send uh, text to somebody and you look all in the history and, and you see, man, I'm, I'm writing a whole paragraph to this person and I, I'm doing all kinds of stuff, and what's the response? Okay. <laughs> what? And it's over and over and over. And then you start thinking, maybe, maybe they don't care about me. And, and, and maybe, maybe you're an emailer, and you do the same thing, and their response is, okay, good. Or then you get the thumbs up. 
That's the classic on Facebook Messenger. You, you do this whole thing and then you get, are you kidding me? You want that mutual, that mutual love for one another. I, I want to be able to challenge somebody and have them challenge me back. I want to be able to love somebody and have them love me back. And, and, and that's what Paul was rejoicing in because he was feeling the love. He was feeling love. Man, they want to see me as much as I want to see them. That, that's what we're feeling about uh, Ethiopia with Sherry and, and Maddie and Sue going. They're feeling the mutual love back and forth. Man, and, and, and that's good. And that's, that's good stuff. And this is, this is what the essence of all of Paul is rejoicing over, is that mutual love. It, because something happens there that becomes a real connection. And you know it. Those of you who love Jesus Christ, when, when you meet a brother or sister in Jesus Christ, isn't there a, a tremendous connection that is made? There's a tremendous connection that's made, and you don't even know how it was done. But it was God. It was the Holy Spirit. We also rejoice because others are counting on us. Again, in verse 7, it says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. And Paul is, he's comforted by their faith. Timothy, he's comforted by Paul's trust in him. And the Thessalonians are comforted because Paul sent Timothy to go be with them. And, and there's all these people that are counting on each other, that, that are, are trusting in one another to lift each other up. As pastors, as pastors, we count on one another all the time. And we rejoice over that. Every Monday, we, we spend time together. We pray together. And we seek God's word and, and try to understand it. And then we communicate with each other. We text. Sometimes Badal gives me K in his response. And, 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 and we communicate and we, and we talk on the phone. And, and many times I find my way over to Waterman to go see Badal. And, and we dig through the scripture. We count on one another to lift each other up. And you know what that does? Man, that makes your heart feel good. We were, we were talking at small group, weren't we, about how, how great that was. How, what a wonderful thing that, that our church, remember, we're one church with four campuses, and so we're focused on one common goal. Preach the word. Preach the word and everything. Amen? That, that, that's what it's all about, and we have to count on each other. I count, on, I count on you guys serving God in your home and teaching, teaching the kids in your home to love Jesus Christ. So when they're coming here, now that they're teaching other kids through their actions. We, we count on you guys to serve the community, to reach brothers and sisters or, 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 or people who don't know Jesus and to connect with them and to bring them into church. Not so we can fill this church up with, with 500 people and we have to expand out into the field. We're, we're willing to do that. But we do it because we love Jesus Christ. And when, when you can count on somebody, you can rejoice. I count on my kids. I count on my kids to, to help me with stuff. To fold laundry and do dishes and pick up the shoes. I count on Reggie to put the toilet paper in the, 
in each bathroom. And you know what? They count on me to share God's word with them and to love them and to care about them. They count on Sherry to guide them through their relationships and to take care of their special needs. We count on Jesus Christ. Those of us who, who know Jesus Christ, we counted on him for what he has already done for us. And we're so thankful that he has done that for us. We can also find satisfaction, no matter our circumstances, when we rely on the gift of prayer. When we rely on the gift of prayer, and, I, and I'll tell you what, this isn't in my notes, so this is a freebie. You need to pray. You need to pray. And, and I just don't think we do it enough. I don't think there's one person here, including me, including Pastor Keith, including Pastor Dave, that say that we pray enough. I don't know if I'm getting the right person, but I think it was Martin Luther who said, I'm so busy, i got so much stuff to do that I only have two hours to pray today. Pray. Why? Why pray? Scripture's clear. Prayer changes stuff. And prayer changes you. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is near. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and sup and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. By prayer. It goes on and on. I literally could probably stand here the entire time and just give you quotes about prayer in Scripture. Prayer is crucial. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can rely on this special gift. You can totally rely on this special gift of prayer. Because it allows you to thank God. To thank God for what he has done. I've said this over and over while preaching here at the creek. Too often we forget about thanking God. We, we forget about thanking him for different things. You know, some of you are tremendous at writing thank you cards. Some of you are absolutely tremendous at that. Someone does something little for you, you, you write a, a beautiful thank you card, maybe include uh, some little special cartoon or something in there you throw in there. I know my grandma Johnson, she always does those things. And maybe you, you, you thank people after, after they get you a gift and, and you write a nice thank you card and, um, and you're just, man, you're so committed to that. Someone does something for you, someone takes you to the train, someone gets you a meal when you're in the hospital, uh, someone uh, visits you just to, just to see how you're doing, you tell them, thank you. Last night, as I was putting my final touches on my message, I smelled something good in the house. I tried to identify it. And so 
I write my messages on my computer, and on my computer I can text just as if I was on my phone, and so I, I sent a quick text to Sherry. I said, what do I smell? And, and she said, cookies. She said, there's going to be something coming up for you. And so brought up, I think Molly might have brought them up, three soft chocolate chip cookies and a big old glass of cold milk. Now that was a good break. I like cookies. But you know what? What did I do? I thanked, I thanked Molly for bringing it up, and I thanked Sherry. Thank you so much. But you know what we forget to do? We forget to thank God for that person. We thank people all the time. Thank you for holding the door. Thank you for picking that up for me. But we forget to thank God for the individuals. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's, he's thanking God uh, for these individuals. He's literally thanking God for who they are. He, he wants, to, wants to go straight to God about it. He says in verse 9, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? That's pretty tremendous that he is going to the Lord to thank God for them. He's not just saying, thank you, Thessalonians, for serving God and making my ministry look good. He's thanking God with, with pure joy. And that, that, to me, that's really cool. Prayer also allows us to think about the lives of others. It allows us to think about the lives of others. In the second part of verse 9, Paul says, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. You know, Paul is truly feeling joy here. I mean, just pure joy. He's ecstatic. I can see that he has a permagrin on where, where he's smiling ear to ear because he's had such uh, distress and such affliction uh, in these last month or two. And, and now he's sitting there, he, man, he's just so joyful, overcome with joy uh, because uh, he's thinking about the Thessalonians. And something, something really special starts happening when you start praying for somebody, when you start talking to the Lord about somebody else. When we found, find joy when, when we start doing that. In the, and, and we start finding joy actually in people's successes. How many times do you find yourself like, oh, I can't believe they got that. I can't believe they got that job. Or I, I can't believe they got that or, or, or they got that new car, or, or whatever it might be. Because we forget, let's just go to the Lord about it. And all of a sudden, we start finding joy for those people. If you have people in your lives right now that, that you're kind of not getting along with, or, or you're kind of feeling weird about, pray for them. Start thinking about them in, in, your, in your prayer time. There is this lady in Oswego. I'm not going to share her name. I could not stand her. I mean, I was so annoyed with her. And, and I think you guys know me by now. I don't get annoyed by many things. I roll with just about anything. I, I'm pretty relaxed. Oh, whatever, it all works out. But this lady, 
I mean, oh my goodness, she bothered me so bad, and I couldn't figure out why she was bothering me so bad. When, when, when she would uh, eat, and I was in the area, man, I was annoyed. When she spoke, which she spoke a lot, I was annoyed. When she would write notes, I was annoyed. And you know what I did? This is a true story. I started praying. And you know what happened? God put us in the exact same office, three feet away from each other. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, I truly committed to prayer. One full semester is what we had to, while my office was being completed. I was working in the district office. I'm really giving away too much information. Guess what? God changed everything. I didn't change anything. She didn't change anything. God changed it. And we became friends. And today, she's still my friend. That only happens because of prayer. Because I said, I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to stop feeling whatever I'm feeling, and I'm going to just pray for her. Because you know what? That's when joy comes in. And all of a sudden, we're laughing. And we're having a good time, and I don't care what she's eating, what she's writing, what she's saying. I want her to do that. Because we're friends. Because I prayed for her, and the Holy Spirit changed me. Because that's what God does. Prayer also allows us to trust him, to trust him with our plans, to trust God with our plans. Paul finishes this thought in verse 10. He says, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see, your face, see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Man, Paul wants to see the Thessalonians so bad. He wants to see them face to face. And he just, remember? Uh, we talked about it. Satan has been exploding the road to not allow him to get to, to Thessalonica. And, and so he doesn't know why, but he's going to just keep going to the Lord. And I'm going to trust that the Lord has a perfect plan because the Lord is sovereign. And he, he, he's almost intensifying this by begging God. I think that's okay. It's okay to beg God and to trust that he is a sovereign God, that he has all the answers. You know, Scripture tells us over and over and over and over again, do not fear. We do not have to worry if you're a follower in Jesus Christ. We need to trust in him and trust in his plans, and we need to trust that God, he's going to take care of that job situation, and God's going to take care of that medical issue, God's going to take care of that financial situation. He's going to take care of that family heartache that's happening over and over. Whether he's going to use you or he's going to use somebody else in your life, you just got to trust God and you got to go to him in prayer. There was this guy in high school. He, he, he literally, as he was driving in his car, he, he would take garbage. So let's say he had McDonald's and he'd take garbage and he'd reach out the window as he's driving along and he'd say, God, if it be your will, make this garbage fly back in my window when I let it go. And he let it go. And it never flew back in the window. Well, that's just foolishness. 
We don't test God, but we go to God and we beg him to help us. We beg for his, uh, uh, his guidance in our life. And, and we, we call out uh, scripture and, we, and we, we, we trust in him. And you know what? What, what does Romans 8.28 say? All things work together for the good to those that love the Lord, to those that are called according to his purpose. Do you love Jesus Christ? Are, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? Do you, do you understand that Jesus lived an absolute perfect life and, and that he, he went to the cross on his own decision because you because of me, because we're sinners. And he died on that cross. And he was buried, and he came back to life, and he was resurrected. And because of, of that blood that was shed, that can for, we could be forgiven for that. And it's because of that, we could trust in Jesus Christ. We understand that, that God is sovereign. And we need to put our trust in him. We can also find satisfaction, no matter the circumstances, when we respond to the directing he gives. When we respond to the directing that he gives. And you know, God is constantly directing us. He's directing us in different ways and for different reasons. And we don't understand it sometimes. Well, actually, we don't understand it most of the time. It's kind of like a parent guiding a child towards one direction or, or towards another direction. They don't, they don't have a clue why. But we have a much bigger picture. His ways are so much better than our ways. And we need to realize that God is directing us to love one another. To love one another. Verse 11 and 12, they're powerful verses. It says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. We need our, our love for each other. It's absolutely crucial for our faith. Absolutely crucial. And I've asked this before, do you genuinely love people? Do you love people? Or are you like the person who, who when someone comes to your house, you try to kind of hide, go in another room, get something else to do? Are you the person that's at the grocery store, and as you move around and, and you got your card and you look, uh-oh, there's that lady, and you do the old backpedal and go. I see people doing that. Maybe, maybe that's me. Uh, <laughs> Sherry does get annoyed the fact that I literally talk to every single person um, but do you love people are you engaging with people during the, the time of, of uh, shaking hands and welcoming each other here just because it's obligatory it's your obligation oh, I gotta do this I knew a lady at another church. She literally would wait until after that moment was done, and then she'd conveniently come into church because she didn't want to greet anyone. We have intentionally kept the greeting here. 
Dave and I have had conversations about that, that we have intentionally created that and, and allowed that to continue because we want that engagement and the genuine love. But do you, do you just do it or do you really love people? Do, do you care about them? Do you care about what's going on in their lives? There's several people that you might talk to that, that you have a conversation with and, and you, you share a, some big story and, and then they'll be like, oh, okay. Um, also, and then they share some story with this, you could tell that they don't genuinely love you. Are you that person? Love is crucial. Love, love is absolutely crucial in sharing the gospel. Do you wave to your neighbor across the street? Let's take it one more step. Do you talk to your neighbor? Not just the classic hidey-ho neighbor. Because I do that too. Do you walk over to your neighbor's house and just have a conversation with him or her? How about this? Do you have any idea what your neighbor's name is? Do you know what your neighbor does for a living? Because here in America, we tend not to do that. And you know Bill, our friend Bill and Alice, they were neighbors with John. Right, John? And they loved you. And John loves Jesus Christ now. That's everything. Love is everything. And we cannot love at all. We have no ability to do it. But guess what? Jesus taught us all about that. And because he did it first, now we can do it. And we can be genuine about it. And that's what Paul's trying to say right here. He absolutely loves the Thessalonians. He's fallen in love with them. He barely spent any time with them, but he fell in love with them, and he cares about them. And I want each of you to do the exact same. I want you to fall in love with each other in this congregation, but I want you to fall in love with your, your neighbor and your community, your children, even if they're older. Fall in love with them all over again. Fall in love with, with the in-law. That's hard to do sometimes. Some of you have to really battle that. Fall in love with, with the person who does wrong to you. Fall in love with the person who absolutely annoys you and is three feet away from you. Genuine love is crucial. God is also directing us to let him grow us. To let him grow us. Paul wants the Thessalonians to grow in their love. There's no question about that. They want to abound in their love. But Paul wants them to increase in their holiness. He, he wants them to be blameless before God. And I think this is crucial that Paul is really telling the Thessalonians that he wanted them to become mature believers. He wanted them to, to not just learn to love one another, not just uh, learn to spread the, spread the gospel, but he wanted them to grow spiritually. They're probably most likely baby Christians, infants, if you will. 
and he wanted their faith to grow. Not to stay stagnant. You know, that's what we try to preach to ourselves every week we come up here. We were talking, we, we pray before the service every time. The worship team and, and the pastors get together and, and we pray. And the conversation came up uh, that, that this, our focus is for us as we spend time prepping to preach God's word that we are growing. That we are growing leaps and bounds in our faith. Because we're digging into God's word. And we're trying to understand who God is more and more. And as a fellowship with other believers, we have to grow. And we have to, we have to continue to mature. You know, really, we want to we seek sanctification. And that's a big word. Basically to say is we want to seek to be perfect with God. And we'll never have that perfection in this lifetime where we are serving God with perfection. But the beauty is, is that we can keep moving forward. You know, God's love is the same today and forever, but our love, it grows. Our faith grows. And we need to keep watering that and let the sun help it to, to grow. Finally, God is directing us to look to his coming. God's directing us to look to his coming. Paul says in our last verse of the day, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. When, when, I, when I read this verse, I immediately thought about Peter and about Peter walking on water. I don't know why. But, but I thought about, you, you remember the story? Uh, Jesus sent out the apostles, and, and they, they kind of went out because of the waves farther and farther, and, and Jesus wasn't with them. And, and, and then through, through kind of the, the storm that was kind of happening, they, they see this person or this image or something walking towards them, and they thought it was a ghost, and, and lo and behold, it's Jesus. And Peter, oh, Peter's just excited. He's excited about life. He's excited about faith. He's excited about Jesus. And he says, command me to walk on water myself. Command me to do it. And what does Peter do? Because Jesus says, come. And, and, and Peter gets out and he's walking on water. Two men in history have walked on water, Peter being one of them. And he's walking and he's like, oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden, he hears the waves. He probably smells weird smells that he's, he's not used to. He's, he's what, what's going on? And all of a sudden, he takes his eyes off Jesus. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and he, and he looks down. He begins to drown. And Jesus reaches his hand out and brings him, brings him back. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's telling the Thessalonians, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eye focused on Jesus because he is coming back. He was here and he loved you. He died for you. He came back to life and you know what? He's coming back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what I'm trying to remind us today. 
Every single one of you. I could name each person. That's what I'm trying to remind us. I'm, I'm trying to remind myself that our entire focus has got to be on Jesus. Allie did ask me last night, again, Dad, what are you preaching on? And I said, Jesus. I'm going to invite Tom to join me up here. What I want us all to be thinking about is one thing, the king with a capital K, the king of kings. Think what it, what it would be like to serve Jesus. Just truly think about that. What is it going to be like to serve Jesus for all of eternity? That's what the Thessalonians were thinking about. They were actually worried that they missed it. And now, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. We're still getting ready. Some of you already know Jesus personally. Some of you call him your Savior. Maybe some of you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you yet. Some of you may need to seek God. You may, you may need to get real. Remember I talked about genuine love? that off you know the genuine love that we care about most is about your genuine love with Jesus Christ do you truly love Jesus are you truly a follower of Jesus Christ without a shadow of a doubt that you are serving Jesus that you have given up your old ways you're not going to be perfect by all means I'm not perfect But every single day, are you bound to him and saying, it's all yours. I need guidance. I need help. I need to learn to love. I need to learn to rely on you. I need to pray more, God. Please help me and teach me to pray more. I sat right here on my knees uh, about a week ago praying that God would just give me total focus on him. And we get so distracted. It all comes back to one thing, the gospel, the good news, right? So I'm going to pray, and Tom's going to start playing some music, and, and what, what's going to happen is I would like you to continue to pray. I'll just, I'll conclude my prayer out loud, but I want you to pray and ask God to really affect you today to, to help change you. It doesn't matter if you're Reggie, who's a seven-year-old, or, or, or if you're an 80-year-old, it doesn't matter. Your life can still change. You can still serve the Lord more. You can learn to love him and have a stronger faith. So I'm going to invite you guys to not only pray with me while I'm praying, but continue in prayer as Tom plays uh, our closing song. Let's go to the Lord. Lord Jesus, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that we can serve you with open arms, that we can trust that 
that you will take care of us. That doesn't always mean that life is going to be easy because we know that the waves are going to be splashing all around us and, and that things are going to be happening around us and, and we know that life is tough as we know it. But we have nothing to worry about because, Lord, you have us in your hands and, and you have brought us to this place and, and you know what? You brought all of us to Village Bible Church today, right here right in the sanctuary to, to change us for whatever reason, to change me. And I'm so thankful for that, God. I'm so thankful that you were willing to sacrifice your body, sacrifice your life for me. Lord, will you just change me as I try to focus more on you, that I try to be less distracted, and that I try to, try to just look to the sky, anticipating you coming back and at the same time rejoicing in the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. It's all yours, God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory.